Welcome to the Off Plan On Air podcast, a podcast by Excelsior Real Estate in Dubai with your host, Nick Grassick. Okay, welcome back to Off Plan On Air. I think we're on episode nine at this stage now. Um, chaps, welcome. I've got the two resident, I've got the resident chimp and the resident economist in the room. Matt and Mitch, how are you going? Yeah, sweet. I'll let you figure out which one is which after that introduction. <laughs> Good morning, guys. Uh, pick a language to say hello in. That was, that's... that was me doing London. Oh, yeah. wow. okay. Oh, I'll do Cockney. Yeah, exactly. That was, I was trying, yeah, to, be, trying to be straight. All right, mate. But anyway, hello, people. How are you? Thank you for listening today. Okay, hi, hi. Right, um, chaps, the topic for today is what's considered to be a looming housing crunch. So I've got some numbers to kick us off with this um, to put things in perspective. So look, last two years, Dubai has seen exponential growth, not only in terms of the residual sale values, but also um, the annual rents. Um, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I, I, from, a, from a most recent report, I think it was about 48% that prime real estate in Dubai had increased across the board. That's a macro figure had increased by 48% over the course of the last 12 months. Any tenant in Dubai right now will attest to the fact that rental values have also gone up by somewhere between 30 and 40% over the course of the last 12 months. That has been primarily driven by the fact that there are greater numbers of people living in Dubai, moving to Dubai, than there are properties available. There is a significant shortage right now which is meaning that more buyers are offering on the same properties, more tenants are trying to rent the same properties, which then pushes the price up. So that's the basic economics of supply and demand. That has been happening for the last two years. It's a fact. What is also a fact, because these are from, these, these figures I'm gonna give you now are from, um, uh, uh, first of all, an independent assessment, um, which is based on government figures. So quite recently, there was the Dubai Economic Agenda, D33. The government has a target to grow GDP, gross domestic product. Is that right? Yep. Um, by a certain amount. In order to do that, they, the government needs to grow the population of Dubai from its current figure of 3.5 million people to somewhere around about 6 million people in 10 years. Now, loosely speaking, that's 2.5 million people as an increase over 10 years, even by maths, uh, sorry, even by Matt's basic mathematical ability, that's 250,000 new residents each year. That's growth. That could mean that if people are leaving Dubai, that they still need to get a greater number, but it is net growth of 250,000 people each year. These people need somewhere to live. Um, there was an independent um, report carried out by one of the top three um, commercial real estate, global commercial real estate consultants that had a look at the pipeline of properties that are currently being built. And they suggested between now and the end of 2028, somewhere in the order of around about 85,000 properties will be delivered. 
So somewhere over the next five years, 80, 85,000 homes will be delivered. But we've just established that the government intends to grow the population by 250,000 per year. Even when you account for a family, two, three, four people per home, it's still not enough to match up. And that's not all four, four family homes. Those are studios, townhouses, a mixture, a mixed bag of apartments, villas, luxury, off-plan, regular, everything under the sun. It doesn't even come close to matching that. And also the, the, the main um, bulk of the stock is apartments, right? So apartments have limits. It's not like you can have a massive family villa and fit 10 people in, you, you know, apartments, houses. Where are you buying villas at 10 people in? Are you subletting your properties to hate to? Yeah, uh, no, Emirates Hills have uh, gone big, big time, and I, I've won the jackpot. Uh, no, but yeah, just okay, fine, not ten people, but you know, yeah, four yeah, yeah. or five. There's a limit. Yeah, so the bulk of the the the, uh, the stock that's handing over is apartments, and it's all one two bedrooms. So you're not going to have, like you say, homes of multiple occupancy in those so there needs to be more even more homes or there is going to be a, a massive shortage of of uh, property um and then that only feeds into this i whole... think it's designed i think it's very well planned from the central central bank economic bureau the government i think it's well planned to maintain a constant demand when you grow yeah. and you grow so fast that that demand of, for interest is going to eventually dwindle. They go, oh, it's a boom, it's growing, it's growing, and eventually people stop investing. Well, here, housing prices will continue to grow, rental rates will continue, the yields will continue to grow because you're able to ask for much more, demand much more as a tenant and landlord, a property owner, which means the people coming in are going to be higher income, wealthier off people. Higher net worth individuals. Well, Hopefully this get to pre- that. Sorry, go no, it just seems like it's, it's planned, whether this is the exact amount they wanted to, but it is it's planned to maintain a constant level of demand for a constant level of growth so that the overall GDP, but then underlying asset classes, for example, real estate, continue to grow as well, and you don't just get a massive boom bubble. Sustainable. It's funny that you should mention that, I and mean, what we're about to say may actually predate the two of you, because this goes back four, possibly even five years now from memory, but there was a... Um, a steering committee, for want of a better phrase, which is a JV from memory, going back a while now, between the land department and RERA, whereby four or five years ago, from memory, they put in place this, this, this committee that was going to have a look at the blueprint and the longer term vision to manage the supply of new homes. Feeds into exactly what you've just said. I would imagine so. When they have here, Tenants, you've already mentioned it, will know the increase, but there's also a capacity, a cap on what they can increase. And it's frustrating as a landlord. You think, oh, I can only increase it at 5 6% per year on top of what I'm already making, depending on the area, whatever it may be. Tenants are always happy that so they can't increase my rate too much, but it still is increasing. And I think that's also part of the control element because otherwise you would have a free-for-all where you could increase... The market might demand that you could increase one year 30% of a rent. You pay 100000 per year, now you're paying 130000 The next year you're paying 180000 And we've seen that, but in a controlled manner. Otherwise, you would just get a massive boom, a bust, because no one wants to come here in two years' time when you're, when you're paying four times the rent that you paid a year or two ago. So that's been controlled. So you have a slow and steady increase, a constant demand in rental returns which has been nice, and that coupled with a demand in housing is going to provide for a sustainable 
increase over the next 10 years, which leads you in a very a much more manageable position, not just a boom-bust cycle where people look at it and think, oh, that's too speculative, like Dubai used to be 15, 20 years ago. So if we look at the fact that the market has been rising sharply and it's, look, purely on the basis that there will be an undersupply of real estate, there's, there's never a crystal ball, but that surely is going to maintain a level of upward pressure on the prices. Hope, I have to be honest, I hope it doesn't continue to increase at the pace that it has because, as you've just accurately said, it becomes unsustainable. Um, but it will certainly keep an upward trend, if not um, a, a stable marketplace for the next four or five years. So assuming that it continues to rise at some kind of level, hopefully not too sharply, who do we think are buying these properties, chaps? Because ready properties, you move to the country with your family, you need to put a roof over your head. Yes, we can speak to these people with regards to off plan, but let's be honest, buying a plot of land is worthless to you right now if you need somewhere to house your family in a safe environment. Who do you, and this is your personal opinion, who do you see as driving the ready property market versus who will be more interested in the off-plan? Do you think it's going to be a balance? I think we, have, we talked in an earlier podcast and in the office several times about a decoupling. But as you talk about the ready market and especially the ready market at an average price, because we still have ready units and villas that are an absurd amount of, of dirhams, 30, 50, 100 million dirhams, that's not your everyday buyer. The ones are coming in driving, in my opinion, will be those ones coming here in that new workforce. They're attracting people. And even if they attract a higher net worth than what you have now as a family, there's still going to be an average middle-income family in this city. So I think those are the ones that's going to drive the rental prices. If they do continue to increase in non-oil assets and broaden the spectrum of available opportunities and investment asset classes, you're going to get a much more diverse, qualified market, and that's going to raise that threshold for your average middle-income family to afford just a little bit more and continue that upward pressure, as you mentioned, Nick, and those are going to be the drivers for the, the secondary market. Matt, what are your thoughts, mate? You've been a little bit quieter on this. Secondary thing. or off-plan? You are. You- Take your pick. I mean, pick. I mean, it's going to be, for me, the, the, the biggest driver is going to be investors, um, especially with, you know, we've touched on it um, on other podcasts about, you know, how the state of Europe is in the moment, all the tech taxes coming in in Europe. I know from just going back to the UK um, recently, a lot of friends of mine have said they're going to stop investing in the UK because, you know, the taxes and everything just doesn't make it worth it. And I don't know anywhere that you can get the returns in the world right now than Dubai. I mean, just for example, my personal experience, we, our last one bed we bought, we're getting a 10% ROI on it. You know, you're lucky to get a 4% in London. So it just doesn't make sense buying anywhere in Europe at the moment. So a lot of the, the prices and a lot of the um, sales are going to be investor driven over here, I think. So let me play devil's advocate. If you're suggesting that investors are going to be the primary driver in off-plan, what do you say to the old heads of Dubai? I've been here 15 years, and for 15 years I've been hearing from people, price is going to crash, price is going to crash. If you speak to an old head investor who has watched the market admittedly go up and down, as property cycles do, and they are saying, would you a price correction? First of all, 
again, as was recently reported, an independent, anything which I ever, which I ever refer to is never my opinion because I've been an estate agent so long enough to know that as an estate agent, my opinion is utterly worthless. So I'll always, re, I'll always revert back to a report which was issued. There was a report issued recently that we are still some 10, possibly 11% below the previous peak. But those old head in, uh, uh, Dubai investors may well be saying there's a price correction coming because it's happened in the past. Why is it different today than previously? Well, because there's so much more on offer exactly. um, now. The consequences of purchasing in Dubai are far greater. I mean, we talked about in our last podcast about the, the investor's visa. That was never a thing. You know, so now people can actually buy a property and they can get a visa and stay here. Whereas before that wasn't happening. So that's just one reason. But, the, you know, the, the, the country is a lot more sustainable now than what it was. We said there's much more on offer and he's talking strictly in terms of investors and opportunities for investors. But I think if you look at analyzing bubbles, booms and busts. There has to be, whether it's the mortgage-backed securities of 08, there's nothing under it, there's no substance. Whether you look at the dot-com bubble, there wasn't the in internet infrastructure that there is now. Dubai was the same way. It's, it was sand for, for the better part of the last 50 years. Yeah. 80s, 90s, 2000s, you start to get the hotel. We've seen the picture of the Toyota building then versus now. There's so much more now. There's infrastructure, there's shops, there's retails. They've expanded beyond oil to now offer a very significant and an emerging tech class. You have a strong retail and hospitality sector. There is so much more to sustain a growth. So even though we're a few percentage points, five, 10, 11% underneath that last peak, that last peak in the old heads minds, the people you're referring to needed to be curbed. They looked at it financially, but there's nothing under now. There was not, there was not enough substance underneath the Dubai bubble to sustain it to grow more because otherwise you're just into sand and you're sending people in tents and sands and undeveloped houses. Yeah. There's not enough retail, event space, um, what you're tech, saying anything, is, job, job creation. There wasn't enough to sustain a large growth, but now yeah. there is. What and you're saying is 20 years ago, nobody wanted to be in Dubai, but now everybody wants to be here, right? Everyone are, I speak to in Europe is like, oh, well, you know. We are much more visible on the global yeah. stage. And, that, and that's been a feeling for like the last 18 months, two years. And one yeah. of our first podcasts, two, three, somewhere around there, we said that Dubai is hot. It's very demanded, but it's sustainable. It's on a global map and they want to make sure that they are a global player. They've just been invited to BRICS, which was huge. And they're going to continue growing to be a re not just a regional player, but a global player, UAE and Dubai specifically. That has attracted many people with substantial skill sets that can come and offer and build a more sustainable community. Yeah. And also, with that, that is your underlying, ask, that's your underlying image for investors to go in and capture that momentum inside of real estate and an investor property. Because now you have people that actually have income, have a job, have a job and career outlook that's sustainable on a, a large growth level to fill those houses, to fill those investor apartments, those investor villas and those investor projects. Also, I'm hoping that Dubai has learned from its mistakes, right? It's made the mistakes of where, you know, changing the rules overnight in 2015 or, I don't know, 2012, was it, when they changed the... For the mortgage lending criteria? Yeah. Uh, beginning of 2014, 2014, which crashed the market. <laughs> um, you know, th that's not going to happen again. Things like that. Because um, that, so. yeah. that, that was really a man-made crash, right? And that was by it was it was it was designed to purposely take some of the heat out of the market. Exactly, which I Whereas, think was the right decision, but to take heat out of it, but not the way that they had done it. Well, I think the thing is, 
when you have this population growth, when you have, and the government are the people who are driving this forward, they're the guys that want to improve their GDP, and that is then linked to the population of the country. When the, when the government is driving people to come here to settle, to live, that then takes the control out of anybody else's hands because these people need somewhere to live. And I can't think of any other city or country at the moment that has um, the quality of life that this does that is going through such a, an aggressive growth period. You know, I mean, you look at emerging markets, you look at um, certain countries that are bringing their, that their citizens from, you know, lower class to middle class, um, that are looking to grow their population. I don't know of anybody, I mean, you, you mentioned BRICS, you know, the Brazil, Russia, India, China consortium. South Africa. South, yes, sorry. That's been banded around 10 years, maybe longer, 15, yeah, a little bit longer. Tom, um, Kurt, term was first coined in 2000, 2001, but they've collectively been a formal organization for the last 10, 15 years. And that's been typically representative of emerging markets, hasn't it? That's only like where, where the key growth areas have, 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 have been attributed. I don't, I, I haven't lived in these countries, but I think you'd be hard pressed to put them up against the, the living standards and the safety and everything else that Dubai well, has to offer. Close. And the tax-free environment. Not even close. Exactly, can't beat it. That's why we're here, guys, bringing you this podcast. Well, I, I, I have, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap, apparently. No, I have been to those BRICS countries uh, as a tourist, travel, part-time investor, doing a, a multitude of things, and this one by far blows it out of the water for opportunity. It is the most developed. I, I haven't been to China, but aside from those, the other countries we have been to, and it, it's not even a comparison. Even with the new six editions, Iran, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Argentina, it's still the most prominent, and all of the banking will be here. All of BRICS banking will be moved to the UAE. It's a significant player, and because of that, people are coming to move and live here, and you finally have an underlying pool of masses, labor, non-skilled, skilled labor, a variety of different, I want to say departments or industries, to fill those apartment homes that investors are looking to get into. So I think those rental yields are there to stay for the, for the short term and for the foreseeable future. And I think some upward pressure and growth, I agree with you, the, the growth over the last 18 to 24 months is absurd and that's not sustainable, but I think it started to slowly come back to a sustainable, sustainable, manageable amount of growth and that's better than you're gonna see anywhere in the world. So to surmise, provided that people keep moving here, build it. Yeah. Building. And there's the a that phrase. What was that? Build it and they will come. Yeah, yeah this is the reverse. They're going to come. You better build it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Fellas, anything else to throw in for today? No, but you haven't mentioned strategy yet, so Ooh, that, that, is, that is due. I, I think that the optimal strategy, if you wanted to mark, uh, capitalize on the growth in Dubai, would be to invest in Excelsior properties. That's a wrap. Thanks, fellas.